on this episode of Real Life Real Equity. But if that is the only reason that you want to be an entrepreneur, if that's the only reason you want to be a real estate investor, if that's the only reason you want to get up at you know, the beginning of the day, you got to find something else. Welcome to Real Life Real Equity Podcast with your host, Justin and Keisha Brooks. Hey, welcome to the show. Our goal is to share with you real-life examples of entrepreneurs who are winning in both life and business. As real estate investors, our mission is to model, educate, and inspire you to act by sharing ease to implement tools, ideas, and information to add more worth to your net worth, more cash to your cash flow, helping you achieve your goals in less time. Welcome to the show. All right, all right. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We have another special guest this week. Welcome to the show, Mr. Ben Suttle. Welcome, welcome. Hey, everybody. Thanks for having me. Absolutely, man. Yeah. Yeah. So, Disrupt Equity, like, that is a title. And I'll start with that. So, where is the kind of the thought process behind Disrupt Equity? And then talk to us a little bit about your entrepreneurship journey and, and how you got there. So yeah, so I'll take I'll take the easy the easy question first. So where did, <laughs> yes, probably where you know how did we come up with disrupt equity, right? Both me and my business partner Ferris Musa come from kind of the IT world. So disrupt is a very kind of tech term. You know, Uber is disrupting taxis. Yep. You know, yep. BNB is disrupting hotels. Yep. And so um, coming from that world, startups, IT, all that good stuff. You know, we wanted to kind of take a spin on that uh, when it came to commercial real estate. So we came up with uh, Disrupt Equity and, um, you know, it's, it's kind of caught on, you know, I mean, it's, it's been a good from a branding perspective. It's, it's certainly helped because people, they automatically equate it to us and there's not anybody that's really has a variation of that name. So it's yeah, pretty good absolutely. for us, you know, so to tie it all back together with kind of the entrepreneurial side of things and you know how did I get kind of started so I'd, I'd always say that I've been an entrepreneur you know starting with an IT company here in Houston you know done a couple other things with single family as well where I had a couple businesses doing some single family rentals doing some flips and stuff like that and then uh, you know quickly kind of got burned out on that as as probably a lot of your listeners probably yep. have or yep. are going to get to that point eventually unless you unless you automate it and really turn it into a true business yep. and um, you know that brain damage that I went through in the single family world really kind of led me into commercial real estate. Single family, you can have somebody that just got enough money and they're running around town and, you know, doing flips and stuff like that. And it's not really, um, not to say that people can't, and I've seen a lot of people be successful at that. So I don't feel like I'm dogging on it, but right. you see that where you have to, in order to be successful at all in commercial real estate, you really have to build a business around it. Right, right. So, you know, I had a couple partnerships through the years on the multifamily side, yeah. uh, buying and selling apartments, both here in Texas. Uh, we're both located out of Houston, as well as Atlanta, Georgia. Nice. In 2007, we kind of formalized it into Disrupt Equity, or not 2007, 2017, excuse me. Big difference. Well, I was running an IT company back in the Great Recession. So people are always like, oh, have you been around doing real estate? I started real estate in 2013, but I was running a company back then. So yeah. I do have experience making my way through the kind of the slow times, if you mm-hmm. want to say, uh, because it affected everybody. It wasn't yes, just real estate. People, yeah. people really kind of, oh, well, you know, real estate this, real estate that. Well, I mean, businesses across the board had to really count every penny and make sure that everything that they were doing was going to be 
uh, profitable in, 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 in order to kind of make it through kind of a and that's, a, that's a really good right. segue. I mean, you start to look at uh, some of the, the businesses that shut down during that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, we used to have, uh, what was that bookstore? Not Barnes and Nobles, but the other one, uh, Borders. Water mm. shut down. Yeah. Kmart shut down. <laughs> yeah. Sears shut down. I mean, we mm-hmm. start to see these major conglomerate of companies shutting down because, I mean, well, it was a great recession. So you hit a really good point. Mm-hmm. I also want to I want to dive into the the true business. You said, you know, when you are out there doing single families, if you don't create a true business, mm-hmm. you burn out. Talk mm-hmm. a little bit about that because that is extremely important. And Keisha and I have been true advocates for entrepreneurship because even though we were in real estate we always looked at it as a business and yeah. when we stopped looking at it as a business that's when we failed most yeah i mean absolutely i mean the people that that don't automatically get into that mindset of okay this is truly a business and you'll see this even with real estate agents too right they're just out yes. there hustling a commission yeah yep. keyword and, hustle yeah, and, and <laughs> If they turned it into a business, right, and they really yeah. looked at everything that they do from a profit and loss, you know, um, standpoint, I, I think a lot more real estate agents would be a lot more successful. Mm-hmm. And they wouldn't get burned out on what they're doing, too. Well, yeah. the same thing holds true with single family rental investors or people that do, you know, the one-off fix and flips. Now I've seen, I've seen people be extremely successful, but then they, they, they automate it, right? They build a team. They actually create that company around it. They systematize it. And those are the people that are being successful. And even in the single family world, cause I still have, I still have my toes in there as well. I mean, obviously there's, it's always nice just to at least kind of keep a pulse on these things in case you, you want to diversify or get into a project. Yeah. And so the people that I've seen be successful have immediately realized, Hey, this can be a business. I need to treat it as such. And then, and then they go off and kind of make it work. Whereas the people that get burned out are the people that are, okay, I got a rental over here. And then across town, I got another one. And then I'm doing a flip on the West side of town. I mean, yeah. running around all day long with their heads chopped off. And no wonder within 12, 18, 24 months, they're like, ah, yeah, real estate's not for me. It's, bunch of work. It's a lot of stress. I lost money on this project or that project. It's because you weren't treating it as a business. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say the system is something that is, I had a conversation with somebody today, actually, I had coffee with a friend and we talked about the systems and Mm -hmm. I was telling him the biggest difference between some other investors that I run into that want to use, that want to be one of my clients is they don't have a system. And then I'm always just wondering, like, how are you even operating in your business? And so I just want you to just take a moment and just highlight something that you do that makes your system work. Because I think that's something that's key with a lot of entrepreneurs. What do you do for your system? How do you create that? So, I mean, a system can be a lot of things to a lot of people. I would say that really for me, it's been important to define the processes in everything that you do, right? And then it, and immediately whenever revenue justifies it, you start hiring on team members and delegating out. Mm. Yes. Because what ends up happening for everybody, and this is for all entrepreneurs, right? They hit yes. a plateau. There's just literally not enough time in the day to do everything that they need to do in order to grow their business, right? Right. So you, so sometimes you have to bite the bullet and say, okay, hey, I might take a little bit less in, in a paycheck this year, but I'm going to hire on that person because I need 
that extra time in the day to go out and work on my business, not work in my business. Right. So immediately me and Ferris knew that that's how we had to, to run Disrupt Equity. We had to have a solid foundation to start with and then we could build up from there. And that's, we're now starting to kind of see the fruits of our labor, but you know, a lot of people are like, you know, I mean, how are things going? I haven't taken a paycheck from Disrupt Equity ever. Right. Well, so yeah. mm-hmm. the one thing that people have to realize is that you got to feed into it. Too, yeah. Right? And I mean, it's, I, it's tough. Not everybody that, can do that. No. That, yeah. that you all, if, I mean, like we are now, uh, I don't know, 10 minutes into this thing. And you just got the golden nugget of all golden nuggets. We just talked about. We could really go there too. We really could. <laughs> I mean, like this, this one thing alone is the difference maker between whether you become successful and not. A lot of times people think it's more money when all reality is more resourcefulness. If you can just figure out how to add a team member who has a competency that is better than where you are. You can add more revenue to the top line of your business. And like you said, when revenue or when the bottom line justifies adding another team player, too many people are so caught up on trying to grab every last dollar and then saying they can't afford it. There's a phenomenal book I read. I'm not a real estate agent, nor do I pretend to play one, but the Gary Keller wrote a book called The Million of Real Estate Agent. And again, I'm not a real estate agent. I love Gary Keller's books. Yeah. All your listeners need to read. He's got other books too. Man, the one thing, The Million of Real Estate Agent, The Million of Real Estate Investor. Mm -hmm. Um, But the book tells you exactly why the leverage of human capital is so vitally important to growing a business. If you ever wanted to grow a business from nothing to something, real estate is a great example of how you grow literally from will and desire, a zero-based income business to as as big as you want to grow it. Yeah. Sky's the limit, right? Yeah. Let's yeah. talk about, you know, kind of going back a little bit. We're going to digress. Talk to us a little bit about how you got into entrepreneurship. Give us a story that that kind of highlights that that entrepreneurial journey. Well, my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, You know, they started off in corporate America. Um, Both my parents worked at Texas Instruments and uh, they got recruited out of Ohio. They moved down to Texas in the 70s. My dad quickly kind of found out that uh, corporate life was not really for him. So he was a sales guy at Texas Instruments. You know, decided to kind of go blaze his own path. And uh, he did did IT equipment sales, similar to, to the business model that I had for quite some time. And that was, uh, so I saw, I saw it firsthand, you know, and I worked in the warehouse. I did all the grimy jobs and, you know, you, you really have to kind of get, um, acclimated to that because if you're kind of used to corporate America and then you go work in a small business or you, or you create your own, it sometimes is different. Yeah. Some yeah. folks are completely fish out of water. That's just all I've ever known. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't finish college, you know, and I, and I just kind of went into, you know, kind of creating businesses, but the, the real true inspiration for that was my parents and, you know, the success that they had in doing it. And, uh, they've been my mentors ever since, you know, I mean, I didn't, you know, you don't learn some of this stuff just, you know, by, it's not something that's the God is just going to will down for you. Mm -hmm. You have to learn some of it on the job. Somebody has to mentor you on how to do some of these things. And, um, you know, I would always, I would always say that they are my first mentors, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that answers your question, but absolutely, no, you know, that that's, that's, you know, that's definitely where I kind of probably got that entrepreneurial spirit. Yeah. And then just realize that, you know, ultimately what are entrepreneurs doing, right? They're, 
they're trying to solve problems. Yeah. Like the bigger problems that you solve, the more complex things that you solve, the more worth you are. You know, does that make sense? So you. Yes, may- I, li- I literally got chills when you just said yeah. that. Only yeah. because I literally just saw that. <laughs> this yeah. week. No, I mean, I, I, it, I must have read that somewhere because I'm not that too. smart. Kind of to, to <laughs> but, but, and, I, and I would give credit where credit's due. I don't know where that came from. No, but, you are right. Yeah. But it, it's true, though. Think about it, right? I mean, if you, if you can go out and help somebody solve a problem, that's worth something. The yes. more complex of a problem that you can solve, that's worth even more. Right? And so a lot of people get to, caught up on wanting the easy life. They say, oh man, if I could just get out of my boss or get away from my boss and not have to deal with any problems, work for myself and blah, 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 blah. That's the end goal, right? That's your end goal. Like people, people automatically think, okay, if I'm going to go work for myself, I'm going to, you know, all these things are just going to magically happen, right? It doesn't work like that, right? That's That's right. That should be your end goal that, you know, now I'm, you know, I'm, financially free, but I've also bought back some time, right? I always look at it like this, right? If I can buy back 20 years, you know, you know, instead of retiring at 65, if I can retire at 45 and that's retire, right? I'll probably never retire. (laughs) If I can do this business from a beach in Fiji with an internet connection and and a cell phone, then I'm going to be happy. So that's what I always look at it, right? That's my end goal is all these awesome things, right? But don't ever start off like that's your why, right? There has to be something else other than that. Absolutely. And that's kind of how I look at business and entrepreneurship in general. And I and and if more people looked at it like that versus just I'm so miserable I just gotta go start my own business. Yeah. Right. Because that's not a good why. Right. But, you know right. you're gonna be you're gonna drag that miserableness to whatever you're doing. Absolutely. Right. And Michael Gerber talks about that in his book The E Myth. So oh. If you're not subscribed to the newsletter, we're going to talk about it now. Newsletter, uh, realliferealequity.com forward slash newsletter. Um, you know, we just named a couple of books and yes. we are readers. Readers are leaders and books are free. So, well, And the thing about these books, you can also get them on Audible. So if you subscribe to our newsletter, um, we have that link. You can click on the link and also read them on Audible. There you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Audible is great because, you know, I mean, people that are busy on the road, driving, whatever, I mean, you can't just say, Hey, I've got enough time at the end of the day to crack open a book, right? Yeah. Audible is, has been a game changer yeah. for me. Yes, it is. Brian Tracy talks about uh, Automobile University, creating a university in your automobile. He said the majority of people drive enough in a year to take at least one year of a graduate level class or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I might've botched that, but he <laughs> said you can get at least a year of higher education by just using your car as an automobile or as a university. It's amazing yeah, what you can I learn. Can, I, you know, you, you, some people are burning an hour each way. Yeah. That's a lot of hours. Yeah. We all love music, but you know, I mean, if you can spend at least half that commute doing something that's going to better your career, better your life, that's I'd right. say, and you hit that yourself. on the head. You hit it on the right. head. Like music. <laughs> I love music. We love music. But if you can spend half that time, definitely do it. Again, realliferequity.com forward slash newsletters where you can find the newsletter. Uh, so let's talk about some highs and lows. Yeah. You talked, you gave us a lot of good information, good nuggets so far, but I'm sure there's been a time where you've had a low. And we're all about the transparency. Right. Right. So yeah. wonderful, right? Um, so let's let's hit on I that used a little bit. Hair before I started businesses. Right. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. So go ahead and share with us something that 
our audience can take back from and just learn from the experience. Yeah, I think I think you you know, and, and once again, I can't I can't take credit for this, but you have to learn from every mistake, right? You have to say, okay, what went wrong? You have to dissect it, and then you have to say, okay, what can I do differently? You know, you know, on the next time, because most of the time, some of these going to reoccurring challenges, right? Right. That entrepreneurs are going to face right cash flow management, personnel problems whatever it might be, you're always, you're going to, those are never going to go away. Trust right. me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even the biggest fortune 500 companies, they're always, they're always trying to balance out. How can I hit and beat targets? Right. Right. So, you know, some of the things that I guess, you know, there's been personal challenges that I've had in my life that I think have been light bulb moments and moments that have motivated me, you know, and I would say that, you know, one of them was hurricane Harvey. I, I talked about this book and Justin, we, we, we have a few mutual friend, Kyle Wilson, I mm-hmm. uh, talked about uh, Hurricane Harvey. It was very, very devastating for me personally, um, as well as, you know, um, you know, from a business perspective, one of our apartment complexes in, in Texas also flooded as well. Wow. And it was a very challenging time, you know, but I, you know, I learned a lot from it and it really was a motivating factor for me. It really, it, it got me moving in the right direction. I was kind of stuck, you know, I was kind of doing the same thing. I was making a little bit of money, but not much. And, and it really forced me to, really kind of look at my business a little bit differently yeah. and say, okay, I really want to turn this from a side hustle into something that's, that's more, you know, of a legit commercial real estate firm. So, you know, people have natural disasters, but people have personal, you know, losses that they have too. And I've had plenty of those and every single one of those, you just have to say, okay, you know, how would that person want me to live? How would that person, what would, what can I do to, to, you know, to, um, you know, do right by that person. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, but I would say Hurricane Harvey was probably a big challenge for me just because it was, it kind of went across both spectrums, personal and business. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and just, I mean, I've been, you know, I've been broke, you know, I've had to eat ramen. I've been, you know, I've had to go to the pawn shop, you know, there's, you know, all that stuff happens, you know, yeah. it, it, people always see, a lot of the highlight reel on Facebook mm-hmm. and some of these other things, but yeah. they don't see all the grind and all the, the path that got to that point that people yes. will finally feel confident enough to share some of their successes. Right. Right. And I think as an entrepreneur, you're going to constantly have that. And so, you know, if you can learn from that and say, okay, what could I have done differently? Then you'll be all right. You so know. talk to talk to us about the book and, and your story, because I've read your story and that's where we linked up and, and really how we had that, that mutual kinship um, after reading your story. But before you go there, I just what you said about being an entrepreneur in the highlight reel on social media is the major reason we started this podcast. Yeah. I was sitting and, and I'm going to tell this story and then. I really want you to go into your story. I was sitting talking to a friend of mine and we walked out of lunch with uh, another friend. Mm-hmm. The first thing we said is, man, I didn't know they had that many problems. They seemed like they were winning on social media. Nope. Wow. And that was when it, it dawned on me. It was like, Oh my God, I'm not the only one with problems. Thank yeah. you. And um, it's so funny because you see these guys, like these non, and I, I'm a, I'm gonna call one of them out. Grant Cardone, I was looking at him and I was like, oh my God, this dude is like crazy, 10X your life, et cetera, et cetera. And then I was watching the video and he said uh, every every day at three o'clock, he hits a wall and he takes a nap. 
I'm like, oh, so the superhuman take a nap. Oh my God. Like you would you would be amazed at how many people I hear say grind, stay up all night and never go to sleep. But then this guy who's 10X in his life or saying 10X in life says, I take a nap every day for the last 30 years. You got to. You got to wow. <laughs> Not necessarily take a nap, right? Yeah, I know. But, but I think you got to take care of yourself. Yeah. That's yeah. the biggest thing. Yeah. A lot, of, a lot of entrepreneurs don't do that. Yeah. It's freeing to know that you're not the only one that is human. Yeah. And when you acknowledge your humanity, it frees you. So go ahead, talk to me about your story. I, I really am interested in. in so uh, it's still still a little bit of a sore spot. You know, it's kind of a, yeah. um, one of the reasons that I, I put it down on paper. It was one of those, you know, therapeutic um, mm. ways of kind of getting my story out there. But, uh, you know, so Hurricane Harvey blew in in 2017. Um, I'm here in Houston. Uh, you know, I lived on another part of town, but uh, my parents were in an area that was, that was prone to potentially flood. They had never flooded up until this point. They had moved down here in the late seventies. Um, and my grandma, who at the time was 102 was living with them as well. So, you know, I try to make it as close to their neighborhood as I can. And, you know, I wasn't even able to get within about a mile of their, of their house mm-hmm. before, you know, I had to park my car off to the side of the road and, and actually trek in. That's when I knew there was going to be some issues. So uh, long story short, you know, I spent the rest of the day trying to help them get their stuff up. Uh, they were in a two-story house, um, make sure that they were kind of set up and, you know, kind of talk them through, hey, this is going to happen. Because I think in a lot, in a lot of ways they were um, they just never thought that it was actually going to happen. It would, it would recede and everything would be all right. And I could just tell as the water was creeping up, I mean, you could literally just, it was going up about an inch or two every, every hour wow. that this was going to happen before the end of the night. And so we woke up at six o'clock in the morning, mom screaming, you know, there's two feet of water in their house. The whole downstairs was completely mm-hmm. trashed. And we were trying to, at the time, Houston was just so inundated with phone calls. You couldn't call 911. It wasn't anywhere you were called. And there's just so many people that needed to be rescued. Right. right. And so they talk about the Cajun Navy and all these other people that were just essentially just private citizens from Louisiana or wherever. There was a lot of them from Texas too, that literally just started putting their boats into the water and going through the neighborhoods into these streets and helping people out. Right. And, um, you know, um, so bottom line, we weren't getting rescued. It was about eight o'clock in the morning. Couldn't get through to anybody. So I was like, well, let me put some waiters on. So the waiters go up to about here. And, uh, you know, I mean, I'm relatively young, right? Oh, I can make it. You know, it's not gonna be that big of a deal. I know how to swim. Right. So, you know, I start wading out water starts getting progressively higher and higher. Right. But I'm still kind of trying to do my thing. Well, I walked to a cross street, right. And I didn't think about it because you're just kind of, there's water everywhere. There's debris, there's all this stuff. I take a step down. Well, guess what? Now you're six inches lower, right? Mm -hmm. The water gets into the waders and literally starts dragging me down. Wow. So the water washed me down probably a quarter mile of the way. I was lucky enough to grab a stop sign and I held on to that for, I don't know, it, it felt like eternity, right? But it was probably a couple minutes just trying to figure out where the hell I was going to go and how I was going to get out of the situation. Cause you're kind of, you can't, you can't you're not like a superhuman. You can't just like take that off as you're right. holding on, right? There's just new, your, 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 your SOL. Right. And so I saw a fence probably about 50 yards away that was still above water. And that fence was going to lead to kind of higher ground. So, you know, I just, in a hope and a prayer, you know, I just let go and I just swam like 
you know, I couldn't swim anymore. Right. You're really literally swimming for your life. And, uh, luckily I was able to make it over that fence line and just kind of drag my water soaked body down, you know, 150 yards worth of fence line got to a point where it started kind of receding. But yeah, I mean, um, you know, if, if it, if I had not caught that, that would have, that would have washed me out to the Creek. And so, um, mm-hmm. and then who knows what would have happened at that point. Right. But yeah. you just, sometimes you have to just kind of put, put your fate in God's hands and just say, Hey, you know, I, I I'm, that nobody was coming to rescue me at the bottom yeah. line at that point. Right. So, you know, I could hold on. For, yeah. So it was, it, it, you know, I always say like, Hey, you know, I was lucky. That was probably one of the dumber ideas that I had to actually even go out into it in the first place. So I kind of put myself in that situation. Um, but I'm, I'm thankful that God, you know, threw me a bone and said, Hey, you know, this guy's good. You know, he's got a couple extra years on him. I don't want to let him go just yet. So, um, you know, but it was a, it was a pretty traumatic moment, right? Because, you know, on top of that, I was going through some, some times with my, my wife at the time, uh, we were separated, you know, and her and my daughter's house had flooded as well, unbeknownst to me. Right. And so, you know, my parents were flooding, they were flooding my apartment complex was flooding within a 24 hour period. My whole world was just turned upside down. And so, you know, it really puts a lot of things in perspective, right? Because Mm -hmm. you just start kind of saying, you know, what's important, you know, how do I want to live my life? It was a light bulb moment. It was also, it was, it was the fire that I needed to really kind of take this thing to another level. And, um, you know, um, so yeah, that was probably one of the lower points in my life. Um, and you, you hit, I appreciate the story that, I mean, I can't tell you how many chills I got listening to the story being told firsthand. And I think this is an excellent way to close out the podcast. How do you want to live your life? If you are continuously living for somebody else, not for yourself. If you don't keep things in perspective, you hit it earlier in the podcast. I don't, I barely caught it. So, you know, I'm assuming that it, it kind of fell on deaf ears, but how do you want to live your life? Are you living your life for somebody else? Are you living your life for yourself? When you go through hard times, are you stepping back and saying, okay, what do I really want to do? Yeah. And, um, that's a powerful, powerful thing. That's a powerful why to have. Um, yeah. It just it leaves you in deep thought. <laughs> it can't, well, it can't be about yeah. the money, right? You right. Know, everybody, everybody's, that's, oh, I want to hustle. I want to make money. Everybody wants to make money. It's just yeah. a part of life, right? But if that is the only reason that you want to be an entrepreneur, if that's the only reason you want to be a real estate investor, if that's the only reason you want to get up at, at, at you know, the beginning of the day, you got to find something else than that. Yeah. Because that there's never going to be enough. Mm-hmm. that's ever going to fill that void that, that that person has, right? Because that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to fill that. The money's going to make me happy. It's going to make me, people are going to think I'm successful. You know, women are going to like me or men are going to like me, whatever it is, right? right. They think that, 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 that money is going to fix that. And that's not how this, how this goes down. The money mm-hmm. should just be, hey, it's just going to happen by doing the right thing and working hard and providing for my family and providing for the community, right? That stuff that just comes naturally if you're doing the right things. Right. Right. And so your why, Justin, like you hit it on the head, you have to be living for something else. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's the way you impact lives. That's that's what comes right to, you know, listening to you guys speak. That's the first thing that I think about is impacting lives. How are you leaving that impact so that it can continue to 
prosper as, as generations come. Yeah, yeah that legacy. Hey, well, man, I appreciate you being on the podcast. That book uh, or that's a story, uh, man. Uh, tell them how they can get a hold of you. Talk a little bit about what you're doing now and, and, yeah. the, and where can they read that story? No, and I appreciate it, right? Uh, Purpose, Passion, and Profit. It's on Amazon. You can certainly check it out there. I'm one of, you know, I, I'm the low man on the totem pole on these books, right? Oh, There's yeah, a lot no. of cool success for entrepreneurs there. And yeah. mm-hmm. I was just, I was humbled to even be a part of the process. Yeah. You can check us out currently at www.disruptequity.com or people can email me at bin at disruptequity.com. We're just, uh, you know, out here buying apartment complexes and, you know, trying to change communities, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely. All of our all of our stuff has a value add component. We're trying to you know build that sense of community with all the yeah. apartment complexes that we buy. You know, but uh, nobody says that it can't be profitable at the same time. That's right. So, right. Do it and do well. Purpose, passion, yeah. and profits. Uh, mm-hmm. DisruptEquity.com. And if you want to get a hold of them personally, being at DisruptEquity.com. Yep. That's where you'll find them. Man, well, I appreciate you being on the show. Um, as yes. always, man, it was a great conversation. And uh, to our audience, we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Real Life Real Equity Podcast. If you would like to ask the hosts a question or be exposed to our podcast audience, visit our website at realliferealequity.com and submit a request. Again, that's realliferealequity.com. Or send us an email at info at realliferealequity.com. Again, that's info at realliferealequity.com. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next week right here on Real Life Real Equity Podcast.